It's almost game time, and you're going inside the lockers with JC and D Hawk on 91.5 KUNV, broadcasting live from the campus of UNLV. And good morning, Las Vegas. Good morning, USA. And you are listening to Inside the Lockers. JC and D Hawk with you. 7 to 8 a.m. this morning, 7 to 8 a.m. every Sunday morning, right here on 91.5 KUNV Jazz and More. But today we're talking sports and more, and we broadcast live from the campus UNLV every Sunday, except when we're on the road uh, in studio with you today. Uh, If you happen to be traveling like we do sometimes, download that KUNV app, Android, iPhone, got it for you on either one, and uh, check us out wherever you are on Sundays. A lot to get to today. Hawk, how you doing? What are you thinking about? What's the, what's the good word? Good morning, Jerry. Happy football Sunday. Let's... It is football Sunday. And, you know, I got to tell you, it's so funny because, you know, there's a line in the movie with Will Smith, you know, the movie with concussions where he says, you know, it's hard to go up against a entity that owns a day of the week. Well, you know, Thursday I had the Giants on, and we'll get to them. I'm just getting over that now. Of course, yesterday had some great college football to talk about. Monday night's game, our Raiders won a thriller. I don't know about any more one day to week. I think you just turn the TV on. There's football going on somewhere. So, But let's get started. First thing we want to do is want to give a shout-out to our uh, hometown Las Vegas Aces who have clinched the second seed in the WNBA and the top two seeds, for those of you who don't know, they get a double bye, meaning that um, they will automatically be into the semis. So they will await the eighth uh, seed should be decided today. So an exciting day for WNBA fans uh, as a couple of playoff spots are still up for grabs. And then 5-8 through eight will play a one-game elimination and then another elimination game. And then before you know it, we have our uh, Las Vegas Aces. So the Aces get a chance to rest up a little bit, heal up a little bit, uh, work on some things. And then a week from now, should see them uh, in the playoffs. So shout out to them. Congrats. And we wish them the best moving forward. Yesterday, let's get right to it, college football, a lot of things going on. Uh, Alabama uh, will hold on to their number one ranking, escaping with a 31-29 to win over Florida. A lot of people thought that the upset could happen. Florida certainly gave them all they could handle. And if you're noticing that two-point difference, you are correct. Florida did have a chance to tie the game on a two-point conversion late, which would have sent the game into overtime. Of course, Florida is very difficult uh, to play at home. They were at home yesterday, could not make the two-point conversion. Uh, Alabama got a couple of first downs, was able to run the clock out, 31-29. Number two team in the nation, Georgia, had no trouble with South Carolina. A little struggle early, but pretty much pulled away late. Uh, Probably one of the better games of the night was uh, Penn State and Auburn, uh, number 10-ranked team in the country against number uh, 15-20-ranked team in the country. Uh, Penn State got away with the win, 28-20. But I want to talk about a little controversy in that game because during the game, there was a discrepancy with the down marker. And the referees uh, held firm that Penn State had to punt that it was fourth down when replay definitively showed it was only third down. And uh, I know, Hawk, you're aware of that. Uh, with all the technology and all the advancement and the go-to-the-videotape, is now such a component of of sports. How does this happen? I mean, what, what what what's your take on that? And and do you think that somebody should lose their job over this? That's what people are saying. What do you think? Well, I think it's inexcusable and unacceptable, especially in this day and age with the modern technology we have in the games and the replays. And I don't see how you can mess that up. You say my bad, that's my mistake. It's third down. You force a punt, I feel like some heads should roll, but I'm pretty sure the fact that Penn State held on to win, that it won't be so too much of a blowback from it. Well, I got to tell you, that first of all, that is a great point. And for those of you wondering how could this happen, here's the crazy thing. This is not the first time that it's happened. Now, most of the time it happens in the other direction where people get a fifth down. That has famously happened in the Colorado game where they did get a fifth down and score and won. And that was during their national championship season. So that's actually uh, a part of history. But to your point, I agree with you that it would have been even a bigger, more controversial story 
had it cost Penn State the game. And it could have actually cost them the game. Uh, Auburn came all the way down and had the ball inside the 10, took four downs and could not get in. I think it, the ball died on the uh, three-yard line. I think some people wanted a pass interference on that throw into the end zone for those of you watching the game. Personally, I did not think it was pass interference. I think the Auburn receiver just kind of went down, taking the Penn State player down with him. And I do give the referees credit, although they you know, bungled the down marker. I give them credit on probably the biggest play of the game was the non-call because sometimes, you know, Hawk, you see guys go down. And you know from basketball, sometimes somebody goes down and right away someone calls a block or whatever it is. But wait a second, you know, you, you just because guys wind up on the floor does not always mean somebody got definitively fouled. Could be feet tangled up. Sometimes you see the video replay and the player got his own feet tangled up or slipped, right? Uh, But sometimes referees just in the moment, they see guys go crash to the ground and it's an infraction. And it did not get the call yesterday. And upon looking at the replay, I don't think it was uh, a play. But what about that, Hawk? Have you seen that where, you know, two guys go down and the referee just assumes because guys are on the floor, something happened when really nothing happened? What do you think? Yeah, you got a lot of actors out there, and they they sell they sell it sometimes, and it's a foul <laughs> or something. But you know, kudos to them. But sometimes I we give the refs a hard time, but they have a real tough job. And the, sometimes the eye, you know, they we they don't have the the luxury of watching that te- watching from home and seeing it in slow motion and everything. Right. You know, unless you use your challenges now. Right. Which I think is a good thing. But sometimes in that spur of the moment, they make that right call, and you might be like, oh, no, that's a – and then you'd be like, oh, no, they got it. So for them to – for all these years before the replay to get those calls right, you know, kudos to them. But we, we, get, we put a lot of pressure on them making those bad calls, and sometimes they do give the offensive player the benefit of doubt for, you know, flopping yep. or, you know yep. – and and I use that word I use that word a lot too, Hawk. And I'm not going to ask you to give me the answer. Maybe somebody can call in seven zero two eight nine five five eight six eight. Get your Webster's dictionary out. But Hawk, what in the heck is a kudo? I say it all kudos. the time. I say it all the time too. Kudos. No, I, I know what it means, but I don't know what a kudo is. You know what I'm saying? You know. Get, well, can we get a caller to call in? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm right with you. I, I mean, we're, we're at a university. Years, somebody, know you know, yeah, somebody give us some uh, some education on this. But I'm with you. And you know what? You do raise a good point. To think about the amount of calls in all of sports, right? I mean, football, baseball, basketball, et cetera, et cetera. The amount of calls that the refs get right that people think were wrong, and then you look at the video replay and you're like, oh, wait a second. He got that right instantaneously, bang, bang. I mean, these guys really do an incredible job. Uh, They really do. I mean, of course, calls have been missed throughout the year famously. But when you think about the amount of calls, and the amount that gets right, I think it's incredible. But, yeah, so they did, they did get that one right, I think. Now, here's another one that made the round yesterday, and this will bring us to Thursday night's game that the NFL said did get right, but there was some controversy. Did they get it wrong? And the NFL came out with a statement yesterday. Those of you who have listened to me with Galaxy Glenn on Wednesday and have been following on our shows on Sunday, you know that as a native New Yorker now living in Las Vegas permanently, I have adopted the Las Vegas teams. I root for the Aces, I root for the Raiders, I root for the Golden Knights. Uh, Passionately, I love them all, have the jerseys, have the paraphernalia. However, I am still very much, you know, Giants-Mets. Knicks no Rangers. Like yeah, it always will be. That's just, you know, born and raised, will always root for them. So, the diehard Giants fan and the Giants, I had nothing but expectations would find a way to blow that game. I've oh, been doing this a long time. <laughs> been doing this a long time. And sure enough, they did not disappoint after seemingly taking a win away with the James Bradbury interception uh, and then going ultra conservative, which I want to talk to you about, Hawk, about just sports in general when teams have big leads and then shut it down. And don't win playing not to lose, so to speak. But anyway, for those of you who did not watch the game, it was a back-and-forth game. Certainly from an entertainment standpoint, it was a very entertaining game. I know uh, we've mentioned Hawk is a uh, Cowboys fan, but uh, very similar to me. Roots for hometown team, so we were kind of on opposite sides uh, texting and talking during the game. Um, for those of you who don't know, Hawk and I do this uh, all during the week. You guys just happen to listen to us on Sunday. But we're going back and forth throughout the week. So, you know... The Giants seemingly had it. Uh, Taylor Heineke, who, shout out to him, just an incredible job he did in the playoffs last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
And then he was supposed to be an afterthought yet again. And for, you know, first week, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down. And sure enough, here he is thrust in the spotlight. And he has not disappointed the few chances he's uh, received. He's really uh, played well. So with all that, he brings the team down. And it looks like the Redskins are going to attempt a 48-yard field goal to win the game. It's 29-27 Giants, five seconds left in the game. He's done his job. Everybody trots out. Okay, here we go. Field goal kicker goes and misses. They Both teams are out of timeouts. This is very key. I think it's really great, Hawk, when you know both teams are out of timeouts and a kicker knows that he cannot be iced as opposed yeah. to you're always waiting for that, you know, that last second, you know, timeout from the opposing coach for the ice, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, right? How many times have we seen where the coach did call timeout, the kicker missed it, and then he gets the real chance, and then he makes it, and the coach is kicking himself, oh, my God, what I do? But we've seen it work as well, so hard to say what's the right thing to do, but pretty much the rule of thumb is don't take any you know timeouts into the locker room with you, so they ice the kicker just to follow that principle. But in this particular game, both teams are out of timeouts, making last-second drives against each other, so when the field goal kicker came out, he knew he could not be iced. So the mechanics, everything is a smooth operation, and he misses and looks like I can finally celebrate the Giants, who for eight straight years have opened up 0-2. I'm finally going to get 1-1 and see what the Giants can do this year. But wait a second. Not so fast. Just before you would want to go to commercial, there's that yellow laundry on the on the field, and I'm like, well, what could this be? What, what could it be? Oh, my God. Dexter Lawrence offsides Giants, and he clearly, from the replay, was offsides, in my opinion. And, of course, the Redskins got another chance. Uh, he puts it right through the uprights. Of course, now it's five yards shorter, so it's a 43-yard kick instead of a 48-yard kick, and it goes you know, through the middle. But the controversy was somebody had put some tape out there, and this is the thing you got to be careful of. We're talking about videotape. Somebody had synchronized the tape very slightly, manipulated it to where it looked like Dexter Lawrence timed it perfectly so that it was so perfect that on the snap he moved, which of course would simulate offsides, but technically not offsides because the ball did get snapped before he you know, was in that neutral zone. And this had made its way around to enough people that there was kind of like this outcry of like the Giants got robbed. That's how serious it had grown. And finally, other people who were, you know, smart enough to say, wait a second, you know, a, a lot of people can like doctor tapes now. So they did get to the bottom of it. Last uh, night, the NFL came out and said that they have the original tape, that it's clearly offside. And I thought it was offsides in the moment. I saw it when it happened. So for those watching the game, you know, it did not look like an optical illusion. It looked like he clearly was offsides. And then one of the funnier things, I'm not really a big social media guy, but I want to ask you, Hawk. What about some of these things that happen in sports and then the outpouring of these memes? I, I watch a good 10 minutes of them because I'm always on the floor. So they have all these different things in history about somebody crying or whatever it is. And then they show a clip of that crying. And it's like, and then they put the words under it, you know, giant fans after Dexter Lawrence. Or somebody screaming, you know, no. I think I even sent you a couple of them, Hawk. But are you someone who gets uh, into the, what do they call it, the rabbit hole, right? When you get stuck just watching video after video after video. Have you done any rabbit hole on memes when something happens in sports, you're not really uh, your cup of tea. Well, not, I mean, not purposely, but once something goes viral, it's out there. <laughs> and it's like, it's hard to miss it. So on your timeline, you're forced to go down a rabbit hole because think about the Jordan cry face. Oh, yeah. Anytime, That's yeah, one of the more famous ones for sure. And, and then LeBron cry face. Anytime something happens, they're going to throw that in there. So every everything has its time and, you know, it runs its course until something else takes over. Until something else takes yeah. over. But I got to tell you, there was a lot of memes, and I'm just, you know, as a Giant fan, 0-2. The thing that bothers me most about a team that, you know, starts off bad year after year, and there's been a lot of, you know, bad franchises. I mean, the Lions are bad. The Pistons, you know, have been famously bad for a while after being, of course, great for so many years. But, man, I got to tell you, when you're a really, really diehard hometown sports fan, and a season is four months long, Hawk, and like three weeks in, you can't even root anymore because you're out of it. That is crushing. It's crushing. And when you have a 16, and now this year, 17-game uh, season, and you're like 0-3, 0-4, I mean, that's it. Mail it in. It's a wrap. Yeah, you, 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 where are you going? Where are you going at 0-4 in the NFL? I think the 
statistics are ridiculous. Like 1% of the teams in history have made the playoffs after starting 0-4. I think the, the Washington Redskins are one of the more famous teams who turned it around under Joe Gibbs. But, you know, the Giants are 0-2, and, you know, 0-4 doesn't look too far away. And it's just oh, killing me because... Yeah. Uh, you know, I just get so geared up for these seasons wanting to root for them. And, and and speaking of which, I think the Raiders, you know, have had expectations of potentially being a playoff team. I know there was a lot of excitement with Gruden, certainly a couple of years ago. They looked like they were going to get to the playoffs and didn't make it. But I think this victory over Baltimore on Monday Night Football, which was another great game. So on Monday, you had this epic with the Ravens and the Raiders. And then on Thursday, you had this great game. And then, of course, last Thursday, you know, before, you had the great Tampa Bay game. So I got to say, football has been very enjoyable in the prime time. But let's talk about that Raiders game for a second, which, of course, happened the day after our show. I think the Raiders have really turned a corner because I think this is a game that over the last few seasons, they would have found a way to lose, very similar to that Dolphins game. You know, uh, last year, but you know they won it. Did you uh, catch the? Of course, Baltimore again in your backyard. I know you're a Cowboys fan, but did you catch last Monday night's game, Hawk? Yeah, and I was you know rooting for the Ravens, and you know Lamar Jackson, one of my favorite players right now, and it's sad to see how that game ended up. He had a chance until he had that fumble. I know he is kicking himself after that, but. And he fumbled twice. He, he fumbled twice. As a matter of fact, I think going into that game, because of all the weapons that were down with injury, everybody felt that Lamar Jackson was going to have to be, you know, superhuman. But the problem is, is a lot of people felt he could do it, and he was doing it because when he takes off, it's just different. The only guy that I could even think about, I mean, Randall Cunningham was really great. There's been some running quarterbacks, but the only guy that I even could, he's even in his company is Michael Vick. That whole phrase, like, he's just different. He is just different because when he moves, I mean, these are elite world-class athletes, and he's, like, slaloming through people like like he's a world-class skier. They're just not not touching him, Hawk. It's really incredible. Yeah, untouchable. But, yeah, that game went down to the wire, and then I think it was a real gut check, and definitely for them to win at home, the fans were into it, and to start the season off like that can only, I think, Help them moving forward. So that was the first NFL game at Allegiant Stadium with fans, and the fans did not disappoint. They came out in mass. Not only that, I think one of the other things which was really cool was it was the debut of this Eli Manning, uh, Peyton Manning simulcast. So while you're watching the regular traditional ESPN Monday Night broadcast on ESPN2, was Eli and Peyton both at their homes remotely just talking about the game and inviting guests to the game. I know Russell Wilson stopped by, Travis Kelsey stopped by, among others. But it was I watched it, and it, I tell you, it was entertaining. And then, of course, the way the game ended where it looked like the Raiders had won it. And yeah. um, so, Hawk, has that ever happened to you where a game is, like, over, somebody hits a shot, and then they say, wait a second, there's three seconds left on the clock, and everybody had already congratulated themselves, fans come on, and then you have to actually, like, get everybody else off? Because it has happened in basketball between Russia and USA. That's many years ago in the 70s, the famous, you know, repeated timeout, 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 how to, how to keep doing it until they got it right, and Russia won, actually. Actually, of course, when I say got it right, it was right. The USA got stolen back in the, I think it was the 72 Olympics. But um, but what about that, Hawk, when a team has to, like, really, because once a game is over, I think that energy flushes out, right? I mean, they were, I mean, Lamar Jack, they were congratulating each other. All of a sudden, they said, hey, wait a second. He was not down in the in the end zone. Uh, you know, you got to spot the ball to two. And they already put up a final score of the whole thing. And then, of course, the deflection caused an interception. And now you're thinking the Ravens might actually win this game. Of course, there was the fumble and then there was the touchdown. But what do you think about, you know, uh, that emotional roller coaster when you're just game faced for 60 minutes? It's a back and forth game. You think you won. People are on the field. They're congratulating each other. They're saying good game. And then all of a sudden the refs come out and say, hey, wait a second. What do you think about that, Hawk? It's definitely, like you said, an emotional roller coaster. Uh, mentally, physically, you kind of like let the air out, the, out the air out of the balloon, and then for the guys who think they won, you're jumping around, you're excited, and then like, oh wow, we got more time left. Oh, he hit this shot. Same as like hitting a buzzer beater, 
or you're in overtime and you, you're up and you're thinking that's it, somebody heaves it from half court, you're sitting there, it's like it's taking 10 seconds for the ball to get there, they hit it, uh, you know, it's kind of like it could be it could be mentally taxing, but that's why you got to be able to be prepared for everything and dig deep. The game's not over until it's over. Yeah, and we even just saw it uh, this past playoffs, right? If you remember Phoenix, they thought the clock had expired. They wound up putting one second, point one second back on the clock, where when it's point one tenth of a second, the only thing left is a tip-in, and they got the DeAndre Ayton tip-in. <laughs> so, Definitely. And that just happened. So in other words, it just is incredible how often it does happen that they go to the videotape and they find that dreaded point one second. And you know right. what? That's all you need. And that is a, for those of you who remember the very famous Stanford uh, Cal game where, you know, the game was over and everybody rushed on the field. And next thing you know, they kick it off. And, you know, here comes, you know, Cal, you know, running through, you know, Stanford uh, running through and scored the touchdown where they hit the band in the end zone. So, as lo- you know, last, think about those last second shots. Yeah, it's incredible. The, the slow motion is saying when it leaves the fingertips, matching it up to the shot clock going off. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, listen, there's a very famous saying by a Hall of fame yankee and it's cliche and that is it ain't over till it's over and that was by yogi berra and true words have never been spoken uh of course we are segueing into something about these last second and video replay so one of the more famous video replays where they did not come out and bring everybody back and the rumor was was they actually feared for their lives now that is that is an actual true story and that was a matchup we want to talk about. So that was the Raiders and the Steelers in the 70s, you know, the immaculate reception where, you know, the Steelers uh, off a deflection, Franco Harris picks it up, you know, right uh, before it hits the turf, and he runs it into the end zone. They famously won that playoff game. The uh, John Madden wanted them to review it. They were reviewing it. And they came back and said the game was over. And to this day, John Madden claims he still has not been told the results of that review. Mm. And the rumor is, was that once the Steelers, and again, we're talking about Pittsburgh, right? We're talking about the 70s, Pittsburgh, Steel Town. You know, this is supposedly how it went, that the lead official said to the police, what's security like? And the police just looked at him like, you got no shot. And they're like, okay, touchdown. Like, okay, like, okay <laughs> touchdown. Supposedly, because the, the referees had seen evidence that the ball was, first of all, there were several things that were wrong on that play. Not that we wanted to go into the immaculate reception, but real quick, you know, back then it was a double tap. You could not have two guys tap the ball and an offensive man get the, get the ball. Very similar to an offensive lineman can only catch a pass off a deflection. So an offensive lineman, just so you know, uh, unless you he says uh, tackle eligible, that's why sometimes say, oh, how come he can't throw it to that guy? Well, he's got to declare that he's an eligible receiver. So anyway, one of the more famous plays in football. As a matter of fact, so famous that for any of you who travel and have gone to the Pittsburgh airport, the statue of Franco Harris grabbing the ball off the uh, off in midair, the immaculate reception, is a beautiful statue. I've flown into Pittsburgh uh, many, many times. Uh, with the B1 company, and certainly uh, has been incredible. And we're going to get to football on the other side of 730. But for those of you who've been following the show, and for any new listeners, welcome. As soon as we do our break in a few minutes here for you know our first half hour, on the other side of 730, we have our views from the Hawk Nest, uh, where our man D. Hawk, Picks a topic that is, you know, somewhat controversial, very discussionable. Uh, we've had topics like, you know, who is the GOAT in certain sports. We've had uh, other topics where the debate has been, uh, you know, do you go overseas or not go overseas if you're an NBA uh, prospect. And you know, all these things have just been really great uh, dialogue. I'm excited to hear what we got today, but uh, stick around for that. It's enjoyable. Just to remind everybody, you are listening to Inside the Lockers with JC and D Hawk. Uh, we come every Sunday, 7 to 8 a.m. Pacific. That's 10 to 11 on the East Coast if you are traveling. Hopefully, you've downloaded the KUNV app. And we broadcast live from the campus UNLV. It is football season. Uh, we are talking about uh, multiple topics, but I do want to let the fans know if you're listening, 702 895 5868. We'd love to hear from you, whether it's something that we're speaking about or a topic you want us to address, uh, some of these controversies, some of these games. Um, one last little controversy before we go to Breakhawk. 
uh, for those of you who follow in the baseball race, and it's been a great uh, season. You know, uh, the cameras are everywhere, so you can no longer have a little bit of a player uh, blow up, a little beef, as they say, Mm -hmm. without the cameras catching it. And, you know, the Padres are melting down uh, like the Mets did. So the Padres were very firmly entrenched in the wild card spot, maybe even going to compete for the division. And then, of course, um, you know, we've had uh, the Mets uh, famously melt down. And yesterday, Machado and Tatis getting into it in the – Dugout, what do you think about that, Hawk, about two guys in the thick of a race uh, going at each other, two stars on a team? I think that it happens way more often than people think that it happens. You know, these guys, we are competitors, or these guys are competitors at the highest level. And, you know, sometimes you don't agree on something, and sometimes you have to let it out, and it doesn't come across as nice or as calm as some people would expect. You know, you're in the heat of the moment, so it's comes across like you're barking at each other but I think nowadays with the social media and just the cameras at every angle it's hard for anything to go unnoticed now so for these things probably happen in every game or at some point way more often than we we, we think that it does, but yeah, just not just not so public. I mean, even years ago, in the thick of a playoff race, you had the famous Billy Martin, Reggie Jackson. For those of you who don't know, just real quick before the break, Tati struck out, didn't like the call, started screaming at the umpire during the thick of the race. You can get thrown out of a game for arguing balls and strikes. And Machado basically said, "Shut up, this isn't about you. You know, don't don't throw you get yourself thrown out of the game. We need you bat in the lineup." Which, when you really dig it down, uh, Hawk is very supportive, right? Just the yeah. fact that he went at him like that, but it's actually a compliment saying we need you but we're going to head into break right now and we're waiting for views from the hawk nest coming out k-u-n-v inside the lockers jc and d hawk and we're back inside the lockers jc and d hawk uh d hawk we always have you right out of the break but we just have one quick call we want to take this is our man uh galaxy glenn for those of you who listen uh to k-u-n-v during the week he does the afternoon drive does an incredible job with it was my mentor, actually, as I uh, started out on Wednesdays before we got this show. Galaxy, uh, your Cowboys going to even up the score today? Or how you doing, bro? Well, I'm on my way to church right now to see to that. Well, pray, 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 pray on it. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's like a good feeling because a San Diego guy, I uh, rooted for the Chargers for so many years, you know, living in the town. But I'm a diehard Cowboy fan, and I think it's going to be a, a great game. Uh, but I like the Chargers to lose this game, and it will go over. Cowboys and over. Well, I got to tell you, I think there will be a lot of points. I, I would agree with that. I think the Cowboys' defense is still suspect, although you got to give credit where credit is due. They did you know, grab a lot of turnovers, which they didn't do right. last year. So a lot of yards, but definitely some playmakers on that side of the ball. And I think the one thing that was answered, you know, Hawk and I mentioned it, you know, Dak looked phenomenal. Uh, and I think as long as he stays healthy and can play like that, there's just too much talent on that roster for them not to have a solid team. Certainly the Giants and the Redskins look like they're just not that good. Uh, a lot of uh, shout-out to the Eagles for what they did. I actually thought Jalen Hurts would play well, and he did. But always appreciate you uh, checking in. If you don't mind, and I do my own praying, but it's always good to have a few extra while you're in church. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> always pray for my loved ones. Real quick, I want you to just talk about it, and, and you two gentlemen got great chemistry. I love your show. Uh, but uh, you mentioned about cameras everywhere, and Tatis and Machado blew up. Do you think Machado finally got an opportunity to tell uh, Tatis it's not about you when it is about Tatis? I think it was, you know – he really needed to get that off his chest, and he used that window. You think there might be a little jealousy because Tatis is the man in San Diego? I got to say, I really think you raise a very interesting point here. Manny Machado is a guy who has been ridiculed his entire career because he's one of those guys that looks like he's not going hard. And there's a few of those guys throughout history that just by the way they play, people think there's smoothness. Now, Manny Machado was a great talent, no doubt about it. Obviously a three, $400 million man. Everybody wanted him. But I think even he is surprised. And I've been at some Padre games live. Uh, you raise a great point, Galaxy. I believe that he's shocked that it is Tatis's team, definitively Tatis's team. And Tatis, Absolutely. for all of his stardom, 
has definitely left some guys ducks on the pond, as they say, in some big moments. And he's productive. He's very productive. He's, he's productive. Also, there's a big spread, right? Machado's about 29, 30 years old. He's been in the game a good, you know, eight, nine years now. Uh, Tatis is 22. Right? He's 22, He's a kid. You know, only been up oh, in the yeah. majors now two years. So I think there is some jealousy. And I think finally Machado saw an opening to say, you know, really what he's saying. If you're, I'm reading you right, he's saying to the crowd, he ain't the guy. Yeah, that's what he's saying. He ain't, he ain't the guy because he struck out, you know, and uh, 17 games left. You're only a game and a half out. You're playing the Cardinals. But, you know, here's the other point of all of that. You know, the Padres did have a two-run lead. And, again, yeah, they could have a bigger lead if, obviously, Tatis was getting more hits. But, you know, when it comes down right. to the dog days of summer, you really need those arms. That's why, you know, the Giants are doing so well. Of course, that's why the Dodgers did eventually start doing so well. Just too much talent in that bullpen. But, but the Padres had a two-run lead and couldn't hold it. The pitching in the back end has let them down because Darvish yeah, threw seven innings of no-run ball, and then you give up two runs late. So that's really what it comes down to. Again, I was never really a big Yankee fan, but the one guy I did always have respect for was Mariano Rivera, you know, just a guy who just just shut the door. I mean, when you were up, right. and, and that's what it takes in today's uh, baseball community. You have to have – there's only a handful of them. There's only a handful of guys yeah. that really can come in, in the eighth and ninth inning and, and wrap that up. But. Shut it down. Well, listen, I want to thank you for taking my call. Uh, thank you, D-Hawk, for yielding for this quick hot moment. No I'm going to continue to enjoy your show. And you guys keep keep us entertained and informed. Appreciate you, Galaxy. So we're going we're gonna to go right to a uh, view from the Hawk's Nest. And, again, this is the D-Hawk uh, kind of editorial on a topic. Hawk, what do you got for us this week? Once again, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, to all our listeners. In this segment of Views from the Hawk's Nest, I want you to – Picture this with me. You get your name called on draft night. All of a sudden, you go from amateur to professional. Bank account on swole now. Do you wake up that same person or do you change? Do the people around you change? My answer to that is yes and yes. I feel like for the most part, money definitely changes you and the things that you can do. And I feel like it changes the people around you. Now, that's not necessarily a negative thing because it doesn't necessarily change you for the worse. It could change your situation so you can help more people. You could be able to get your family out of certain situations or your friends. Some people change for the worse. They could have been, you know, looked down upon all these years or been the butt of the jokes and now the joke now that they have it's like it's not fun when a rabbit has the gun so they can they have now they have the means to do what they want and some people don't remain humble or use their their blessings to not help people but to kind of turn their nose up on people but i feel like the fame has something to do with that as well it's not just the money um now how can you remain the same 100% where you can't go to certain places without people running up to you, getting your autograph, or paparazzi following you around. So naturally, you have to change. I mean, it's it's only human. But like I said, it's not necessarily a bad thing or negative thing. I think people, depending on how you grow up or depending on the fundamentals and basically the integrity that you have and been instilled um, into you, what do you do when you all of a sudden have this blessings? Who are you? Who are, who do you have to take care of? Do you have to take care of anybody? For the people on the outside, do they feel entitled for you to help them out? I feel like you have to, you know, most most guys, um, I know for myself, when you're growing up and if you're, if you're blessed enough to still have your parents around, it's I can't wait to get my mother a house. You know, like I feel like, the people, your mother first off, but maybe your father or auntie, grandmother, that person who's put their time and not just their money into you, but their effort and their time to help build who you are and get you to your level of success, I feel that you do owe them or you should give back to them to show your appreciation. Close friends, family, with the people reaching out all of a sudden, you can't make everybody happy, ladies and gentlemen, and you know that. So as long as you're happy, it's okay to say no sometimes, and that doesn't make you a bad person or mean that you changed. 
um, because you can't help everybody out. But I feel like a lot of people get their fingers pointed at them and like, oh, he's changed now that he got money. Nah, look look at yourself in the mirror. You changed. You wasn't approaching this person or expecting them to do anything before the money. So why are you changing now to the fact of feeling like they owe you something or asking them? What you think, JC? Yeah, and again, this is this is probably you know one of my favorite discussions because this is a really loaded situation. I think the bigger part of it, and we spoke about this uh, off air. I think the bigger part is the people around you. I I, I think that it's inevitable you're going to change a little bit, but every situation is different. I mean, if you really come from nothing and then you're thrust with a ton of money. You know, and nobody's watching out for you. We've seen a lot of those horror stories. But I think a bigger part of those horror stories are the company that you keep. Because the moment you have the resources mm-hmm. to do the things that could harm you on a repetitive basis, and not only that, the fame and the spotlight, I think those are the things that, you know, are really the downfall more than the individual. Because the individual has to have some level of not only talent but discipline. There's a lot of guys, Hawk, and we both know the list of them that were born with incredible talent and did not make it to the league because there was a lack of dedication to the craft and commitment. So, you know, those individuals that do have the ability, you know, to get all the way to the league, they don't just have God-given talent. You know, they have something a little more. But it's the people around them that do change, and I, and I agree with you. I think, you know, if the question is, does money change you or does it change the people around you or both? I think it's a small yes. I think it's a yes for both, but I think it's a small yes or like a question mark for the individual. But I think it's a yes with an exclamation point, you know, for the for the right. family and friends and the entourage because I think that's what real – because in other words, unless you have an entourage of, let's say, a buddy that you trained with that didn't have your ability – and he's like, hey, man, let me be your manager. Let me be your guy. And this is very similar to the childhood friend of, like, you know, LeBron James, right, where they're kind of, like, doing some very positive things together, things like that. But when you have, like, a crew, and that crew is not necessarily, you know, really driven, and their whole thing was kind of just getting by and maybe even, dare I say, you know, walking the gray area of uh, what's legal and not legal in this country, now when you give those guys the resources, now it's like the very stereotypical making it rain at a strip club, you know, a couple of extra, you know, ability to get some drugs on the on the frequent as opposed to scrounging to maybe just like, you know, kind of party a little bit on the weekends. And that's where you see some of these guys that really should have, or even women, dare I say, you know, uh, female athletes. Of course, we have the men more popularized. But I, I think a lot of it does come, you know, you said, what environment did you grow up in? I mean, there's an example happening right now as we speak live. Uh, Emma Raducanu, who's seven, 18 years old, just won the U.S. Open. The check for winning that uh, last week is $1.8 million. So how is this for, like, kind of uh, a whole different take on all this? So they asked her Friday on a talk show, how does she like the money? What is she going to do with the money? She said, and I'm quoting, doesn't even know if the money's in her bank account yet, mm-hmm. and she's giving it to her parents. They'll know what to do with it. Mm. Now, that could also be a whole other thing because we have a lot of Macaulay Culkin stories out there. Mm-hmm. Because, because you know, when you come into money, a lot of people always say, and of course we're a, a show about athletes, so we're thinking athletics, but let me tell you something. There are bands that are two, three years trying to get a record out and just a couple of kids from the neighborhood, and then they hit it big, and you hear about their kind of parties. So it's not just athletes, musicians, you know. So I just think that that whole thing, when you finally make it, and here comes that money, even lottery winners, right? Somebody who yeah. basically was a regular Joe hits for like five, ten, twenty million, and then you find out not only did they lose all their money, Hawk. But everything that they had before they had the money is gone. The house is gone. The wife is gone. It's like, wow, what happened? And, you know, I actually have a lottery winner uh, cousin in my house. Several years ago, a cousin of mine hit the Florida lottery for like $11.8 And I remember visiting, going, and my family had a little bit of money, so we weren't going over there to ask for anything. But I remember we went there to congratulate them. Like, I haven't even seen this woman my whole life. Now because she hit the lottery, we're like going to see her, like, like, yeah. You know, <laughs> so like, like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, this doesn't make any sense. But, you know, I mean, you know, for the most part, 
I think the biggest problem is it changes the people around you because they feel like, oh, we're we're paid now. We made it. Yeah, we made it right. We made it. We we're paid now. And you know, there are just there are just those horror stories. But I think like you know, people are unfamiliar that in the NFL, rookies actually have a rookie symposium now, where people like Chris Carter and other famous men come and tell people about the pitfalls. One of the more you know popular guys in sports, Rob Gronkowski. You know, has said that he, to this day, to this day, and again, I'm only taking it at his word, he has still not spent a single penny from his contracts. He's been using all of his contracts from rookie year in the bank. The only money he'll allow himself to spend is marketing money. And of yeah. course, he's made several millions. He's made yeah, very similar. He's made several million dollars, but basically the only money they'll allow himself to spend. So, you know, there are guys that get it. There are guys that are aware of the pitfalls. But, you know, again, Shaq, military family. I mean, who are we talking about? You know, there's just I think it just cannot be underestimated that upbringing that you have. If you have a strong parental and it could be it doesn't have to be parents it could be grandparents you know even even a sister i know that you're very close with your your, your sister hawk so in, in other words yeah, it's, it's not, doesn't necessarily be mom or pop. yeah it doesn't that's have to be mom or pop somebody that you trust right somebody that's yeah. a foundation someone's in your life that says hey look man i just want to let you know you i never saw you partying every friday night now all of a sudden instead of doing like 100 jump shots that got you to the league like mm-hmm. you're where like, that could be enough if it's someone you respect enough to straighten you out. You know what I mean? But when you have a group like, hey, D-Hawk, man, it's, you know, or, or hey, JC, like, where are we going? What are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, and you said it's hard to say no, right? People don't want to say no. So part of it is influence. A part of it is you don't want to say no. Part of it is a person wants to kind of go down that road. Before you know it, all the things that made you a star you're not doing, suddenly you're not a star anymore. Right. And the funny thing is that these guys learn the hard way. That a lot of times when your money dries up, your friends dry up. Exactly. And, and I will tell you one example that's got nothing to do with sports, but it's right on topic. And yet, yet again, just another great topic. Just keep crushing it, Hawk, every week. So right. I myself was a commodities broker on Wall Street. And my offices are in the Trade Center. Uh, you know, last 9-11, a little bit emotional for me, the 20-year anniversary. I wasn't in work that day. So by the grace of God, you know, spared uh, some uh, OT hours, as they say. But the long and short of it is, is when all that went down, I made a career change. I famously went to go coach at Maris High School. I wanted to get back into my athletics, and I kind of really have steered clear. Even my company, B1, right now is very deeply rooted in athletics, you know, which was my upbringing and my first love. So kind of moved away from a, a very, very lucrative job. Now, I had a lot of people that when I would go to work every day, Hawk, I mean, because I held the keys to the kingdom, you know, what's going to trade that day, inside information, as it were, and who can make money just by being my friend. Not that I was breaking the law, but, you know, information is exchanged, you know, even just discussionary, and even that could be enough depending upon who's saying it, right? Like if you're talking to a weatherman, the weatherman says, yeah, I don't know if that game is going to go over because I think a bad weather's coming in. You know, again, not that he's lying or that he's cheating the game, but because it's the weatherman, you're going to have more weight on what he's saying. So right. I had that kind of weight in the trading. You know, Hawk, the moment that I left my trading job, all of those people who called me friend, all of those people who, you know, were inviting me to parties and doing certain things, I never heard from any of them. <laughs> I never had crickets, bro. I never heard from again. All of a sudden, because I wasn't like the golden goose, all that love and all those different compliments and everything else, never saw those people again. So it, it does change people the moment that you are no longer. So, you know, you find out who you, as they say, you find out who your friends are, you know, so just a great topic. But to those of you who are listening, who are younger, who have dreams of uh, playing sports, you know, just make sure your dream is for the sport. The money will come with it. And then right. when you get that money, make sure you understand that it's just a tool in the shed. It's not the most important tool. The most important tool are your family and friends and your foundation. And that'll be what I think will carry you through. So we got 10 minutes talk. And as we did last week and we'll do every week, we have our pick segment coming. I think we uh, were able to pick a lot of uh, cool upsets last week i had the eagles i think a lot of people thought that the falcons were just a gimme but i know too much about that young man jalen hurts i'm very happy for him to see you know what he did 
there were some other kind of great games. Justin Herbert, you know, came out and got that great win for the Chargers. I think one of the more exciting games was the Lions that came all the way back from, you know, three touchdowns down, had a chance to kind of tie it there at the end. But with that, let's get right to it, Hawk. So first game up, we got Cincinnati at Chicago. Joe Burrow showing no ill effects from that serious knee injury. A uh, difference maker, definitely changing the course of that franchise, 1-0. Andy Dalton, I think, continues to just not impress probably you know his last year in the NFL as a starter, in my opinion. Uh, of course, the Bears' defense is something you know to respect, although I think the Rams kind of beat him up pretty good last Sunday night. Who do you like there, Hawk? I think the Bears come, on, like you said, with their defense. They come away with this one. Like I'm not, I'm very excited about Joe Burrow. Like I said, I thought he was going to bounce back from that injury, and he looked good. But I think the Bears' defense holds them off, and they get that win today. I'm on the other side. I think Joe Burrow is the difference maker. I think the quarterback play has become very important in this league. Uh, could be low scoring, 17-14. But I don't think the Bears' offense has enough. Houston-Cleveland, one of the more interesting games of the day. Cleveland, of course, gave Kansas City all they wanted in the playoffs. They followed it up last week out of the gate strong. And then uh, just, you know, Kansas City just showing how great they are. You know, Cleveland made one mistake. They didn't make a bunch of mistakes. They made one mistake. One mistake. They dropped a punt. And next thing you know, here comes Kansas City. They won the game. But Cleveland did show the world that last year was not a fluke. Crazy talented. Houston, without Deshaun Watson, still trying to navigate that uh, mess. But they did win against a very not-ready-for-prime-time Jacksonville team. But this spread makes no sense to me. 13-and-a-half. I guess you would say you like Cleveland to win the game, but let me put you on the spot. Who do you like with the spread, Hawk? 13-and-a-half. I'm going to go Texas to cover that. I agree. I to... I, I'm, I'm missing the boat here. So yeah, all I can tell you— something I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, if Cleveland wins by two touchdowns today and you see me on the street, I will be the one with my cup in a hand. You will not <laughs> – do not ask me for money because, to me, this looks like – you know, this is the one where you get your mortgage, your car note, you know, you put your jewelry in, you lick your finger, you peel off your pinky ring, you throw that into the mix, and you say, give me everything I can on this particular game. I I can't make this one out heads or tails. 13 and a half seems like way too many for the Houston Texans, despite the fact that the Texans are, you know, on the surface, a dumpster fire. It just seems, seems like a lot of points. The Rams were very impressive in uh, week one. The Colts, I think a lot of people expect a lot out of the Colts. Very lackluster. They are at home again, back-to-back weeks. Rams are a road favorite. Who do you like there, Hawk? Rams, Colts. I like the Rams. I like the Rams, too. I think Matthew Stafford is the real deal with that team. He's been the real deal for a lot of years now, and everybody's expecting the Rams uh, to be the sexy Super Bowl contender. I I think they're going to live up to expectations. I like them. One of the more interesting games of the day, you talk about lackluster performances. I think everyone thought Buffalo was just going to be you know, 12 and 4, 13 and 3, just picking up right where they left off last year, have a lot of that roster back, really healthy. And the Steelers just hung around, hung around until finally got the best of Buffalo. Miami should have lost last week. The Patriots, who got rid of uh, Cam Newton because he gave the ball away too much, found their running back, Harris, given he dropped it on the ground. And that was enough to uh, have Miami run the clock out instead of a last-second field goal by the Patriots. So the Miami is a, a questionable 1-0, but they are 1-0. Uh, division game, Buffalo on the road uh, in Miami. Who do you like, Hawk? I like the Bills to cover and bounce back from last week's game. I got to tell you, this is going to be a little crazy, but as much as I kind of just sold it as if Miami should not be 1-0 and Buffalo is the, the team that everyone's expect. I like Miami. I, I think Buffalo... I know it's only one game, but I think Buffalo, for some reason, is not going to live up. Uh, not right now. I'm I'm waiting for them to show me something. So I'm I'll I'll be hoping that they show me something. But uh, I like Miami. Uh, New England looking to bounce back against the Jets. The Jets feel like Wilson did some good things last week. Still a rookie. Still the Jets. Hawk, who do you think? What do you think? I'm gonna go with New England. Yeah, going with the Patriots. The Jets just look like ouch. Um, I hope the kid Wilson works out. Maybe that'll change the culture. But for right now, and disclaimer. I don't think I'll ever pick the Jets, too, just so you know. That's why I'm picking New England. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a Namath fan. I'm from New York, but I'm all Giants. The Jets are just, uh, no, no, 
No. Okay, here's another interesting game. So you got the 49ers who did win, who did look great, then took their foot off the gas, I think learned a valuable lesson. When you're playing in a professional setting, you can never take your foot off the gas. Too many good people on the other side and just, you know, eventually had that game, had five more minutes left in it. I think Detroit would have won it. Right. That's how much momentum was on their side. But they are a road favorite going into Philly, who had a very impressive win against the Falcons on the road. Now Philly's at home. Who do you like in this game? Uh, I like how the 49ers looked last last week until they, like you said, took their f- foot off the gas. But those Eagles, they, 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 they came on and they put their work in on the road, and I think they went at home today. So uh, for anyone listening to us in New York, and I do have some of my friends who do check in on this show from time to time, this is going to be a sacrilege uh, picking the Eagles. But just so that we're keeping it real and keeping it 100 and bringing you the truth, I like the Eagles. I, I, you know, the Eagles at home getting points. I'll take them. Of course, our team here in Vegas, uh, very impressive, uh, resilient in uh, week one. They uh, travel cross-country to Pittsburgh, uh, the home of the famous Immaculate Reception back when they were the Oakland Raiders. A little bit of a big number here, I'm a little surprised, although uh, Josh Jacobs, star running back, Definitely a key to that offense will not play today. Uh, that's a big loss. Uh, Raiders uh, going into Pittsburgh. What do you think there, Hawk? I'm going to go with Pittsburgh just for that exact reason, them losing their running back. And um, even with that win, and I know they have the momentum, I think that uh, the Steelers hope whole serve at home. Well, I'll tell you, Hawk, you have the Las Vegas community welcoming you in, and you're picking against their team. That may not hey, be the – I keep it real. Yeah, all right. Well, you know, you're right, and not the uh... – not the best uh, PR move, but okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think my uh, wait phone ringing. Uh, what's uh, uh, people asking about your contract, Hawk? There's a anyway. So uh, I'm actually I'm going to take the PR high road. I'm taking the points. I'm taking the Raiders. I'm not stupid, you know. I got a show on the air for in the Las Vegas market. I'm not picking against them. No, but I, actually, I do like the Raiders. I think the Raiders can score. One thing I think for that game, I think a lot of points. Yeah. So if you were going to uh, is so Im- inclined to put money on the game, I think the points are the thing you could bank on there. Uh, speaking of points, the Saints put up a ton of them against Green Bay. Carolina, you know, a lackluster win against the Jets, but there is a win. They are at home for back-to-back weeks. The Saints have seven coaches out with COVID. So the Saints at Carolina, what do you think, Hawk? I think Saints go 2-0. and I like Jameis Winston. I think he's going to be the running for MVP this year, and I really like that kid. Loved him at Florida State. I've liked him his whole career, even with the turnovers. I'm with you. I like the Saints. Denver uh, knocked around the Giants last week. That's not saying much, but I think Teddy Bridgewater continues to impress. Just a steady engine. I think the Jaguars got a lot of talent. They're a year or two away. Denver and Jacksonville, what do you think, Hawk? I got Denver. Like Denver. Probably the most impressive win last week was the way Arizona went into Tennessee and knocked the snot out of them. Uh, both on both sides of the ball. Chandler Jones was a beast, could not be kept out. Arizona was just putting up points like it was a pinball machine. Minnesota, you know, Kirk Cousins, just not a believer. Minnesota in Arizona, what do you think, Hawk? I got Arizona. At least right. by a touchdown. All right, so we got a couple of games that we probably won't make it to, but uh, while we still got one minute here, let's get to Galaxy's game and your game. You're a Dallas fan. Dallas going to the Chargers. Uh, they're a fa- uh, dog. They've had the extra day because they opened up on a Thursday night. What do you think, Hawk? Cowboys, baby. Let's get in that win, Carla. I'm going to stick to what I said a moment ago about the Raiders game. I think the play here is the points. I do like Dak. I think the Chargers, though, are a complete team. I'm going to go uh, L.A. Chargers. So you have listened to Inside the Lockers. Find us every Sunday, 7 to 8 a.m., right here live on KUNV. JC and D-Hawk going to be signing off from the campus of UNLV. Uh, Download us on the app, and we will see you next week. Have a blessed Sunday.